Hi, I'm Barry Morrow, and I'm the next guest on On the Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. This is it, episode 500 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this, like I said, is episode 500 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have an Oscar winner and an Emmy winner. It's Barry Morrow, who wrote Rain Man and the movie Bill with Mickey Rooney. Now he's got a new movie out. It's called Smitten. We're going to find out all about that. Barry Morrow coming up right here on episode 500 of On Screen and Beyond. And let's get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness, the remake of The Six Million Dollar Man with Mark Wahlberg is now called The Six Billion Dollar Man and is scheduled for release on May 19th, 2019. So get ready for that. But it has lost its director again and Warner Brothers is still looking to replace him so they can still hit that date of May 19th, 2019. We'll find out what happens with that. And Universal is working on remaking Friday Night Lights, the movie from 2004 and also a TV show. They say it will be based on the book more than the TV show or the film. So it's going to be a little bit different. And Ryan Reynolds is going to be producing and starring in a remake of 1985's Clue movie. And it's based on the board game, of course, and no clue yet when the movie will be released. Sorry about that. And that's it for Remake Madness. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies. It looks like on August 3rd, you can catch Mark Wahlberg once again in the action thriller Mile 22. He leads an elite team of fighters who get the job done when governments can't. And Lauren Cohen of The Walking Dead also co-stars in that. And Steven Spielberg and Leonardo DiCaprio will join forces once again in a biopic on Ulysses S. Grant. And they last worked together in 2002 on Catch Me If You Can. And Joel McHale, Elizabeth Banks, and Maya Randolph will join Melissa McCarthy. She's busy lately. And Puppets. In The Happy Time Murders, that comes your way on August 17th. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Sequel City, well, it looks like two new Star Trek movies are in the works. One, Star Trek Four, of course, that everybody, you know, continues the story that we've been hearing. And the other one from Quentin Tarantino. Both are in development stages, so we're not sure if either one will be made. Of course, Star Trek Four is pr- probably a given anyways. But uh, time will tell what happens, and we'll keep you updated on that, and uh, we'll keep you informed. And director Richard Donner says Lethal Weapon 5 is coming. And no details yet about it, but Mel Gibson and Danny Glover are both saying that they are up for a reunion. 
And let's see, September 6, 2019 is the release date of IT, Chapter 2. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next to Dawn's Corinna Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TV on DVD, well, the complete second season of The Good Place lands on July 17th. In The Expanse, Season 3 will be hitting Blu-ray and DVD on July 17th. And September 4th, you can get Supernatural, the complete 13th season. And that's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? Movies on DVD, I Feel Pretty with Amy Schumer, moves to Blu-ray and DVD in 4K on July 17th. On June 12th, you can look for Tomb Raider in 4K, Blu-ray and DVD, and the classic Mon Pa Kettle at Waikiki surfs onto DVD on June 12th. And that's it for Movies on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time. It looks like TNT has canceled The Last Ship, so Season 5 will be it for The Last Ship. Fox has announced Season 5 of Gotham will be the final season of that show. And uh, that's I, I enjoyed that show. I'm sorry to see it go. Um, but uh, the creator of the show, Bruno Heller, will continue with a new series telling the early years of Alfred in Pennyworth, which will be airing on Epics. So he's going to keep it going in some form. And sadly, Margot Kidder, Lois Lane from the Christopher Reeve Superman films, has passed away at the age of 69 this past week. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, Celebrity Birthdays. Celebrity birthdays, it looks like on May 21st, Mr. T turns 66. On May 23rd, Joan Collins turns 85 of Dynasty fame. On May 24th, Tommy Chong of Cheech and Chong turns 80. And on May 25th, Mike Myers turns 55. On May 26th, Stevie Nicks turns 70. And that's it for celebrity birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, we have one coming in. Sarah H. of Tucson, Arizona turns 36 on May 24th. If you, a friend or a relative, are going to be having a birthday, send me the information at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. We'd be glad to get your birthday and let everybody who listens to On Screen and Beyond all over the world wish you a very happy birthday. So happy birthday to all those people we just mentioned. And coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, Barry Morrow, Oscar and Emmy winner for writing Rain Man and Bill, is going to be coming here to On Screen and Beyond. we got a lot to talk to him about. He's got a new movie out called Smitten. You don't want to miss that one. And he's next. Barry Morrow, right here on On Screen and Beyond.
Today on On Screen and Beyond, on our 500th episode, we have as our guest an Emmy and Academy Award winning screenwriter who was our guest nine years ago on episode 75. He is known for his Oscar winning film Rain Man with Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman and his Emmy winning film Bill, which starred Mickey Rooney and Dennis Quaid. He has a new film out, which he wrote and directed, called Smitten which stars Darren Criss of Glee and American Crime Story, The Assassination of Gianni Versace. It's Barry Morrow. Barry, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you, Brian. So happy to be with you and on such an auspicious occasion as your 500th. <laughs> yeah, we're, we've gone quite a few years, and, and like I say, uh, we were talking earlier, years ago, nine years ago, we were in a hotel room, uh, and uh, we did an interview back then at, at the California Independent Film Festival, and it's great to have you back. Thank you so much. I, yes, we sang, we sang, and we, we caroused a bit. <laughs> so, Barry... Uh, when I saw you were available, uh, I see that you have a new film out, which was great, and something a little different. You, you're directing this one, right? Well, uh, you know, I figured after 40-plus uh, years in the business, kids are growing. My wife and I are still able to travel. Why not? And so um, we, we filmed it in Italy, and who doesn't want to spend a year or so in Italy? And, uh <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a big departure for me because I've spent my career writing pretty serious dramas, you know, uh, and, and the subjects have been, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, quite specific in that they generally uh, involve people with disabilities of some kind, you know, mm -hmm. brain injuries, autism, savant syndrome, eating disorders, Lou Gehrig's disease, and this time I wanted to do something completely different, really just for for laughs and lightheartedness. And it's a story, uh, really a romantic fable uh, about love. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now, what gave you the inspiration for Smitten? Well, Smitten, which of course, you know, is a, a term for falling in love at first sight, was uh, kind of what happened to me. Uh, almost 50 years ago when I sat by in a beautiful young lady in art class in high school and married her, and we still are. But beyond that, um, I, I came across a really interesting obituary column in an Italian newspaper, and I have a good friend who's fluent in Italian, has a film production company there. And it, it was a story of this woman who, as a young girl, fell in love with a young soldier, he went off to war, never returned, and at her death, at around the age of 90, she left money to the little village where this cottage was that, that it'd be preserved and a festival of love every year be uh, thrown in its honor. And I thought, what a lovely idea, but then I kept reading, and it said, but unfortunately, the money that she left behind was uh, stolen by a a lawyer and the village never got the money and uh, so the promise was never kept and that just kind of led me to this fable that I created about a love cottage with a spell and how eventually it would bring not only a festival of love but love to all the people who are smitten by having stayed in this cottage. Hmm. That, that, like you say, that is a, a, a different kind of movie for you. It's a comedy. It's a romp. It's a fable. 
you know, it's more a souffle than it is a main course, if you will. But, you know, in these times when movies are pretty rough and tough and serious and edgy and mm-hmm. dark and all of that, and, and the mood of the country seems to generally be under some kind of cloud of pessimism, I just wanted to write some something that for, and direct, something that for 87 minutes makes you smile. Yeah. So what made you decide to direct this time? Well, I had, you know, tested some directing projects uh, early in my career, uh, documentaries, though. And then, you know, I got successful as a writer. So um, I, after Rain Man, frankly, I did have, you know, offers to do all kinds of things. But I was raising young, you know, teenagers at home, and I knew what commitments you know, must be made when you direct a picture, and you're generally gone from your family's life for a good year or two. It just wasn't worth it. But, you know, now I'm free and footloose and able to do it. And, you know, it's tough. I mean, uh, it's definitely something that is easier to do in your 30s or 40s than in your 60s. But um, I made it, and uh, I think it's successful, at least on the terms we set out for yeah wow that's uh, now uh, i didn't mention you you wrote it and you directed it but you're also producing this one too right well you know wear three hats if you got two you might as well put another one on top <laughs> but i do have two very capable uh producing partners and mm-hmm. uh one in particular took the lead on it so yeah. i'm i have produced uh, other projects in the past television and feature but uh you know, I'll still probably think of myself as a writer first and foremost. And um, yeah, I the, the that Oscar as long says as that. <laughs> Pardon? The Oscar says that. <laughs> I thought the Oscar says yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, was it difficult to to wear? Uh, you know, all three hats. Well, you can only really do one thing at once. I mean, it's, you know, writing a story and directing a story. You have the same goals in mind. You've got to know what each scene is about. You've got to put one brick, you know, on top of the next, etc. But the main difference is when you're writing, you're home alone and there's nobody in the room talking to you. And when you're on a film set, there's 110 people waiting in line to talk to you, and they've all got three problems. So, um, you know, the demands of being on set are, you know, quite enormous, but, uh, and of course the post-production process too is very time-consuming and rough and tough, but, uh, you know, the story is the thing, and however you serve that as a producer, writer, director, you know, you're, you're key to it, but so is everybody else who works on a film from the drivers and the gaffers and the food service people. I mean, everybody's got to be on their A game or mm-hmm. the film suffers. Yeah, yeah. So with this experience of doing all three, is there, do you see yourself going off in one way or the other? I mean, of course, I mean, you're a writer and, and you know, I mean, you've won an Emmy and an Academy Award. You know, but how can you get more than that? I mean, but. Well, um, I'm trying out for an Olympic team, if you can believe it. <laughs> Really? Yeah, seriously, in a very bizarre sport that doesn't take a lot of youth or athleticism. But we'll keep that for another interview. Uh, to to answer your question, uh, 
you know, I I think if the right project came along and it was here in the U.S. and more specifically maybe in California, and it didn't have the you know the the mountains and weather and all the contingencies we had to deal with in Italy, plus the language barrier. Let's mm-hmm. not forget that. Then I would be very open to directing another picture. But um, you know, it's got to come together in a in its own way. There's a little kismet and fate involved in these things. So I guess I'll have to say we'll see. Yeah. So now you're writing this, and, and you know, so there's nobody telling you what to do as far as you know, and you're directing it. So. You, you you had a lot of say in any changes. Did you make changes along the way, even while you were filming? Uh, I would say most of the changes were really made in the cutting room. The picture came in a little too long for a, you know for the kind of tone, the comedic tone we wanted, mm-hmm. and so I wasn't you know able to use some of the more um, fantastical uh, you know magic realism scenes that I shot, uh, they just seemed excessive at the, you know, uh, ultimately. It looked great on paper, but uh, then you film it and try to put together, put it together. And uh, I didn't want a comedy that ran two hours. So I would say the, the post-production part was the painful part because I had to lose some great performances and moments. But, um, you know, that, those are all the judgments you have to make. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were writing it, Initially, were you sitting back saying, "All right, where do I want to go?" <laughs> is, is, is that is that what made you get to to Italy? Or well, a little bit. I mean, <laughs> well, first, but I mean, if you're going to write a story about love, and it and it's really kind of a uh, almost a, almost like a French comedy in its tone, a little bit of Midsummer Night's Dream involved, uh, but Italy seemed the perfect and only place really to set. A romance, and in this case, it involves an American who who goes over to Italy on a fashion buying trip for his father's company, and ends up abducted by three inept mafia goons, taken to what they think is their uh, ransom uh, hideaway, but get lost and instead end up in this cottage. So, upon awakening, all. The three kidnappers and their victim all fall head over heels in love with a variety of living souls, we shall say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll be back with more of our guests right after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The, the the film stars Darren Chris. How did you get him involved with the film? Well, um, you know, this is a we didn't have a huge budget. We we couldn't afford to go after the biggest film stars, but we not only I but our, my producers as well had been watching Darren from his Glee days, and you know he's such a talented person, musician, dancer 
speaks fluent Italian. We didn't even know that. Oh, wow. And he was just coming off of uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, uh, his uh, one-man performance on Broadway of the play. And he had, you know, time in his schedule. He liked the script. He liked us. And and he was an absolutely ideal choice. He's he is so terrific, and he's been, you know, mounting his credit steadily now. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, uh, because we are just inking our distribution deal, uh, the world will soon see Darren in a whole completely new light. Yeah, I mean, he was he was amazing in the Versace uh, show there, American Crime Story. Uh, he's yeah. such a pro. I mean, I, I I have to say, I he didn't really need much in terms of directing for me. He, the few times when I would come out of the video booth to talk to him, he'd say, I know, I know, and he'd do it again, and it was like the guy's money every time. Mm-hmm. Now, the Italians, we had you know, 98% of our the people there were Italian filmmakers or actors and crews, and so, uh, the, you know, because of the language barriers and the cultural differences and humor, etc., that took a a good deal of time and work on my part, but uh, Darren was uh, solid. Hmm. Do you speak any Italian? Just like where's the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> Just the essentials. <laughs> so, so how did you communicate with with the other actors, or did well, they speak English? Most of them uh, did speak English, and of course, uh, the key people around me, my first AD and you know, script supervisor and others, have worked with Americans and. So it wasn't that difficult. It was really when, you know, you were ventured off away from set into town or whatever that, uh, you know, you'd sometimes run into uh, language barriers. But the other thing, we, we shot so far in north, really in northern Italy, up by the, the Dolomites or the Dolomiti, uh, that, uh, that German is spoken a lot up there because it's proximity to Austria, oh, wow. which was actually once, you know, Parts of Austria are now parts of Italy, so there's some multi-lingual uh, action going on there. Wow! Huh. Yeah. Now the film is done, and yep. you did you did it premiere at the uh, Minneapolis St. Paul International Film Festival? It did, in part because uh, the timing was right, but also it's my hometown, mm-hmm. so it was a chance to have family, friends. Gosh, I even had. People from my grade school who I haven't seen in 50, 60 years show up. So, wow. uh, so that was really fun. And we're taking it in July back to Italy, um, and we're going to have uh, screenings both uh, near our location in northern Italy and then again in Rome where most of the, the uh, cast and crew are working. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a nice trip. <laughs> Well, it is, and uh, but the thing is, you've got to t- bring two sets of clothing. One is the, the the one you pack that fit you when you left for Italy, and the other that when you come home and you're ten pounds heavier, because <laughs> oh my goodness, the food is, as they say, to die for, but hopefully not soon. Yeah. What well, What was your favorite food that you had out there? Well, as silly as it sounds. The pizza is just so good, and it's so fast and quick and everywhere that 
we ate a lot of that. But when on the on the rare times when we were able to to do some better fine dining, I, I would have a hard time picking one, frankly, Brian. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's more important is the vino that goes with it, of course. <laughs> you have enough of that, and all the food is good. <laughs> That's right. Wow. As it comes out, is it going to be out in theaters here after the the, the festival circuit, or will it be go d- directly to DVD and Blu-ray? Or well, we ke- we we've kept our own theatrical release uh, uh, rights. It probably won't be playing many theaters. I mean, it's it's the world, the film world has changed so much from just five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most things, of course, go, are just streaming anyway. But uh, we're having a you know select few of theatrical screenings. Uh, they're not a good way to make money. The, you know the the theater owners take half, the distributor takes another chunk, and mm-hmm. uh, by the yeah. time it's all over, there ain't much. Right. <laughs> but uh, but of course, everybody wants to see the name of your film on a marquee, and uh, right. we'll yeah. have we'll have that experience. Yeah. So what was the reaction in, in the Minneapolis-St. Paul? Well, I have to say it was wonderful. Uh, you know, we sold out both shows, and uh, I've never seen the film in with you know sitting with an audience. It's always from the back of the room. Mm-hmm. And it's been bothering me from the very first screening that I didn't feel like we were getting enough reaction to the film. And what I discovered finally in the late – in our matinee show before we left, I just sat incognito right in the middle, and I wouldn't influence anybody by being there. And realized that all the chuckles and laughter and everything else that you hear in the middle of the theater, you you don't hear when you're in the very back. So it was really heartening to just feel the audience, you know, grow with the movie and and have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, Barry, uh, now I haven't asked you any questions so far uh, about Rain Man and Bill, because and specifically because I wanted to talk about this movie, and I know we don't have a whole lot of time, and uh, I do want our listeners to know that they can go back to episode 75 and hear an amazing interview with you where you really took a, a great amount of time with me, which I appreciate very much, and talked a lot about bill and about uh, rain man and even about your uh, your uh, winning the emmy and falling <laughs> and going to the hospital <laughs> well uh for your listeners uh yes i shortly after winning my emmy i walked back backstage and was waiting to go into the press room and i leaned against what i thought was a wall turned out to be a curtain i fell down into a hole and landed <laughs> on top of my emmy and it and it punctured my leg with uh, with one of its sharp wings, and uh, I could have died, frankly. <laughs> but I didn't, and uh, uh, so anyway, I yes, I'd forgotten that we had this long interview in the past. But now, bringing us up to date, Rain Man is going to be what thirty years old mm-hmm. this uh, December. Yeah, and so there's quite a bit of fuss about that. I'm not sure. Why? But um, it's a great uh, film. That's why. <laughs> well, but thirty. Well, the twenty fifth should have been the big one. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> it's fun to obviously to go back and and 
and ponder it now because you know it's been long enough I can see that it was more than a movie uh, and in fact its legacy may be that it did more for autism and savant syndrome mm-hmm. than it did for you know cinema because it's really had an impact and and it's been great I I'm not taking credit for it I you know I had no idea that Rainman would become the world phenomenon that it was but uh, it was, and it, it and it still is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, a great film, and and I'll tell you that, that, that when we met nine years ago, uh, to meet Kim was incredible. Uh, the, the, you know, he was so fascinating to to, yeah. to talk with, and uh, uh, it was just uh, you know, and, and and to hold your Oscar, you, <laughs> I had the chance to hold your Oscar, and it it's just it was uh, really something. Um, well, you know, the Oscar, I, you, you, I'm sure you remember, I gave my Oscar to Kim mm-hmm. a long time ago, and for t- about 20 years, he and his father traveled around the country and then eventually the world with this Oscar as a, you know, they give talks uh, about, uh, you know, autism and, and savant syndrome and, and mega memories and that sort of thing, and then Kim would answer questions from the audience and and then they always let people hold the Oscar and have their photo taken. And it's had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. uh, to have held it now. And uh, I just got it back uh, because it had been in China last year where it's been raising awareness for autism. And it'll soon be going to its home in Utah where, after Kim died, we decided to have it. Uh, preserved as uh, a kind of a, a reminder of his journey with his father and the way the film uh, changed his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeez. I mean, it was so incredible when it, when the first time I met him, Kim, um, mm-hmm. and, and he was able to tell me my address and telephone number. It was like, <laughs> how in the world could he do that? You know. Well, uh, you know, his hobby was memorizing phone books, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he hadn't, you know, memorized your particular phone book, he would he would just walk away and say, "I don't know." <laughs> but since he did know, he gave it to you. And of course, he has this uh, ability to do calendar calculating. He, you can give him your, you know, your birth date and uh, day and year, and within less than a half a second, he'll tell you it was on a Thursday, a Friday, what what have you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I watched him do this over the years. And I decided that I could do it too. So uh, I would, uh, on occasion, tell people. I said, "Well, now ask me some," and they give me their birthday and everything. And I would just say, "It was a it was a Friday," <laughs> and they never knew. So said, I know I wouldn't know. <laughs> how do you do that? And I said, "Well, I just guessed a day of the week. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong." So anyway, that's a we had a lot of fun, you yeah, know, yeah. traveling around and just watching Kim bask in, you know, the the limelight and the, mm-hmm. the spotlight of being an important person instead of the closeted, sad, un- misunderstood loner that he was when I met him. And yeah. that metamorphosis, that blossoming of his life was as miraculous as the movie itself. Yeah. Well, Barry, um, I want to finish up with two final questions, real quick ones. Sure. When you sit back and relax, what are you watching on TV now, and what's your favorite TV shows of the past, and what's your favorite movies now and of the past? 
Well, I'll start with the favorite movies of the past, and you know, it's it's just like um, anyone really. The probably the music and movies and TV you remember most that are dearest to you are those you grew up with or matured with. And so for me, it was the movies of the '60s, uh, Midnight Cowboy, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, things that I feel like I I could have written if I were good enough, you know. Uh, and 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 in the field, um, but so those and Rain Man obviously would would follow suit there, you know. And I'm forgetting movies like Godfather one and two and other great ones. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I'm always drawn to the character movies, and for some reason, I'm more likely to engage with a character who's really struggling because of some. You know, physical or mental challenge, and mm-hmm. um, uh, now current. Gosh, I'm on the road so much. The only the only TV I really get to watch are, is the news on occasion, a little golf when I want to fall asleep, and um, uh, and then to satisfy my wife's curiosity, we watch a lot of uh, you know uh, PBS stuff. We have our own little shows, Doc Martin, that we watch religiously. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not very mainstream, and frankly, don't want to be. I'm trying to make stories, not watch them. So I'm a little bit always afraid of, you know, going through, for instance, my academy screeners because I'm in the academy and I right. vote every year that I'm uh, that I qualify, which means if I've seen all the pictures, so I can make a responsible vote mm-hmm. but um uh really it's i've only i've only heard of one other filmmaker billy wilder who who said i don't really like to watch other people's movies i just want to work on my own i'm a little bit like that really yeah yeah huh well barry um where can people get information about where the film might be coming in at a festival or anything is there a website or anything yeah there's a website it's smitten dash film dot com and uh you know we'll be posting upcoming festivals um theatricals whatever we've got going we'll, we'll that will be the hub mm-hmm. so www smitten dash film dot com all right well barry I, I cannot thank you enough everybody should be keeping an eye out for smitten and uh, i thank you so much for joining us once again on our 500th episode and uh, thank you for joining us brian thank you let's not wait another nine years <laughs> all right sounds good all right And a big thank you going out to Barry Morrow for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. I want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us once again. Because like I said, Barry was here a long time ago, it seems like now, right here on On Screen and Beyond. I was sitting in a room with him, though, that time. And we were face-to-face, and we were talking about the Rain Man and Bill and the whole story. Be sure to go back and listen to that episode, because it's a fascinating story he had, and uh, especially when he gets into about the uh, the Emmy and the, the stabbing himself in the leg with it. And I don't, it's, just, it's crazy. But uh, be sure to check it out. And uh, thank him so much uh, for joining us, and check out his movie, Smitten. 
You can uh, look for that and find out where it's going to be playing and uh, see another good movie because Barry does a great job writing movies and he's such a nice guy and uh, we wish him luck on that. And that is it. That's the end of our 500th episode of On Screen and Beyond. We've got lots more coming your way, so I hope you keep joining us. And uh, we'll see what uh, what else we have coming your way. A lot of a lot of great guests in the future. Hopefully, we'll have another 500 episodes coming more. And uh, if you have a suggestion for a guest, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And all of you who have been listening from the very beginning, I thank you very much for 500 episodes. And I, uh, you know, always enjoy hearing from you. And uh, it's 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 just nice to. To communicate with you. And you can do that at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And uh, let's see, what else we got going on? I've been on the phone with uh, some different people, getting more guests, and I think you'll enjoy those too. So uh, stick around, tell a friend, go to onscreenandbeyond.com, listen to our old episodes all the way back, all 500 of them, of course, on iTunes also. And that's it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.